Welcome to the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally. And we come to you this week from our hometown, Miami, Florida. And we have an absolute barnstormer on tap for us tomorrow based on what we saw in qualifying today. Yeah, at least it'll be interesting. I can't say the same for last year, but we'll see if this is different. It seems like a brand new season, Steve, so why not a brand new Miami circuit, right? I mean, why not? Uh, we had a shocking qualifying from a handful of people, and one of the most mixed-up grids I think we're going to have for the rest of the year. I don't think we can expect this level of, of jeopardy when it comes to the lineup. It's a, it's a very interesting lineup for sure. I, I like a lot of the quirks in the top 10. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where why not have three Hispanic names uh, atop the starting order for a race in Miami coming off of Cinco de Mayo? Uh, just very interesting, especially with uh, Sergio, of all people, obviously, on the pole. Um, very nice Mexican flair to this Miami weekend. Absolutely. And uh, it seems from the crowd, this is pretty close to being a Checo home race. Uh, The Mexican fans out in force, in Forza, uh, in support of Sergio Perez. Um, So let's talk about how we got this really, really, really wacky starting grid for tomorrow's race. Yeah, well, it goes first and foremost, uh, it goes uh, not a home race. I guess no home cooking for Logan Sargent. Sargent, who's 20th. He goes, God bless him. He goes, although I will say he was qualifying very well and seemed to be surprised that he was 20th. But, I mean, that's how close things were in qualifying. Uh, You know, uh, I think 0.2 seconds really makes all the difference between last and and making it into the next round. But um, two tenses is, yeah. yeah, two tenses is nothing. It's one missed breaking point, one, you know, little bit of oversteer and, that's it. You go from 15 to 20th. The uh, just some oddities here. I mean, um, it's first of all, I mean, I'll, I'll take this one, Steve. You know, not a great weekend for Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton. Um, I think they said it was his worst qualifying ever on American soil, or yeah, at least, you know, in, yeah, I think it was on American soil, not North He had American. never been starting outside the top six while in the United States. And so we see him come in at 13th. That could get a little bit better, depending on how some of the other things shake out from qualifying. But um, not really great for him. Didn't get into Q3, obviously, because of that. And you just wonder, you know, how that's going to set up. It's not like George had a fantastic qualifying day either, um, comparatively. Although no, right around what George, he's expected to do. But. George snuck into Q3 in the 10th position. He, he was by no means a lock. Uh, Lewis was complaining a little bit about his timing being let out uh, for his final run in Q2. You know, got met with some traffic, so potentially he didn't quite have the tire preparation that he was hoping for. But uh, I still think you're Lewis Hamilton. You're still in a Mercedes. It's not what it used to be, but I, I think you have to beat out a Haas. You have to beat out an Alfa Romeo to make it into Q3. Yeah, and, you know, I know he got checked up behind some traffic and it looked like he got into the wall. And, and, and you know, that, that happens. It's just a little bit odd out here. And I know, I think what, uh, Fernando had some issues with the Alpines, I think, over the weekend. He's been he's been doing out this all season where he's talking about how they, they run, but uh, especially during practices. But, yeah, 
I was completely surprised that there wasn't, you know, more action taken. There was a bunch of uh, drivers impeding each other, uh, unsafe releases in the pit lane between uh, Alpha Tauri and Haas, and you know, signs at one point gotten Guan Yu Zhou's way, and uh, yeah, it 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 was a bad day for traffic, but that's on par for Miami. Yeah, the uh, the other bad. Uh, I guess, if you will, qualification for a world champion uh, ended up with Red Bull and Max Verstappen, right? Who ended up in ninth qualifying. Not a great run for him either, although he did have, I think, one of the fastest laps out there. If he not the fastest lap, it's just not where he needed it. So Yeah, I mean, that, that was uh, the second biggest story of Q3. So everyone got a shot at their first lap and Max's first lap made a mistake, went wide, had to kind of abort his lap, never put in a banker or a flying time. So that that was his one shot, you know, thinking that he was going to get the next opportunity. Everyone else went out, ran their laps except for uh, Valtteri. Valtteri never left the pits. And so I'm looking at the top 10 with four minutes to go, and I had to take a picture of the TV because I could not believe what at the moment I was looking at Sergio one, Fernando two, Carlos three, Kevin Magnuson and the Haas at four, Gasly five, Leclerc down at seventh, Verstappen in ninth. Um, you know, I'm screaming at the TV, stop the count, not expecting really anything to happen, but everyone gears up about a minute and 50 seconds left. People are just about to start their final run. The first person on the hot lap, Charles Leclerc. And he just kind of did Charles Leclerc things. And <laughs> and you know what's funny, Steve? You know, I saw this pop up too, and it made me realize he has done this. Mick Schumacher crashed as many times as Charles has this year so far, all of last year. And we know how much they were pissed at Mick for doing that because of how much money it cost them, whole repairs, you know, and Charles is supposedly in a different league than Mick. Obviously, Mick was a young rookie coming through, young driver. Um, he's now, you know, a test driver and may have his chance to get back in, obviously the the son of, a, of an all-time great. But Charles is supposed to be this guy with a world-class pedigree. He is Ferrari's number one. Um, and... He's doing what a rookie or a second-year driver was doing. Um, and he's done it in, what, one-fifth of the races? One-sixth yeah. of the you know what I mean? A quarter, a quarter of the races, one-fifth of the races? Twi- twice this weekend. Right. And so, and it might even, you know, we'll see, obviously. He he, he wrecked. Um, he, he did it in the wrong end for you to feel confident in his gearbox strength. Um and he might have to repair that or risk it. One of the others, either is not a good opportunity for him. He either takes the grid penalty or he risks, you know, like he did. We we talked about this earlier, Steve, with possibly, you know, not having the reliability where he may not even make the grid like he had uh, a year before. So, Right. So, you know, it, it, it is a similar situation with caveats obviously being on Haas with not as deep pockets to where you know you, you don't have the parts on hand to be able to to fix a car the way that you know Mick 
<laughs> had such a good job disassembling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at the same time, Charles is a driver who needs to be on the limit and you live with some of these mistakes sometime because the benefit is so much higher with the risk with him versus other drivers. Um, I mean, ultimately, I think it is an Achilles heel if he ever wants to win a championship. Max had an Achilles heel of driving too aggressive, and he solved that to the tune now of a two-time looking at three-time world champion. So it, you have to take whatever your weaknesses and shore it up. Um, you know, you did mention the fact that he is in danger of needing a gear change because anytime you have a hard rear impact, that's going to be the most susceptible part. And it's a crucial part. He's already had a new one fitted to the car at the head of this weekend. Uh, Another one before the race, he'll be three gearboxes deep into his pool with only one more remaining before a penalty. Um, And it's too early. A lot more racing to go, right? Yeah, it's way too early in the season to start talking about component penalties. Uh, On top of the fact, Ferrari went into this weekend with... Uh, no backup parts for, uh, I believe it was their new floor that they fitted on, um, and a couple of other aerodynamic parts they did not have backups for. Uh, so in practice, when he went into the wall, that was a concern, but they avoided that. But now he put it into the wall for a second time. Uh, he's, he's not doing himself or his team any favors. And so here we are, you know, we're, we're looking at some teams in some disarray. I mean, uh, both the Ferraris qualified in the top 10, but you have a problem with one of them. Um, one of the Mercedes is out of the top 10. Uh, Red Bull obviously has someone on the pole and someone in ninth, and it's not the people you would always assume. Uh, I believe McLaren uh, lost its lucky horseshoe. Um, and neither <laughs> of them in the, got into uh, into the top ten. Dropped so, it somewhere over the Atlantic on the way to Miami, right? So I mean, like you just see you see some of the issues. You know, I I would say only one's consistent week to week at this point. Uh, although it's just not that all that terrible for Verstappen to be down in ninth. Uh, the car is still performing well. It's a little bit bad luck. Um, is Aston Martin right? Yeah, I you know Stroll, it, it like that was puzzling. You know, I think it's it's not even so much that he had bad luck. He just didn't seem to really enjoy the way his car was set up, uh, you know, for, you know, his teammate to be three-tenths of a second faster than him in the first qualifying. And, you know, now, now he's on the front row. So you look at it, you got one teammate on the front row, one teammate second to last row, uh, it's, you know, I, I don't think it's concerning. I think everyone has weeks where they just aren't on it as much as, you know, they're, they're just not on it this week. And I think that's that's the issue with Lance. Uh, you know, there might be some opportunities in the race for him to make up some positions, but uh, I, I think we've seen this year it's been a little bit of a struggle for some overtaking. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean... Think- it, it it opens up the door right it, uh, to a certain extent at least in the champions uh in the, in the constructors trophy anyway and um you know that's that's a bit of interesting you know i i 
I know this is a funny joke always, and here is Ryan's American uh, sports analogy of the week. Um, uh, the Miami Heat are playing, our lovely Miami Heat are playing the New York Knicks, and the series just came down to Miami, um, and Miami won today, and I believe everyone was saying, I wonder what the New York Knicks were doing last night. Uh, I wonder if Miami got to some of our drivers. Um, uh, by me, Miami is the lovely nightlife, the lovely weather, um, got to some of our drivers, and maybe they didn't perform quite as well. I don't know if it has the same impact on F1 drivers as it does on, apparently, other sports stars, but Miami does have an interesting effect on those who are not used to it. Yeah, that that's uh, part of the home field advantage for Miami, it's to be able to distract the opponent. Uh, one other thing to highlight is that the Alpine seemed to do nice. Both cars got in the top eight. Uh, very solid there. Um, they look strong. A little unexpected. Look strong. Um, so good stuff. Good stuff all the way around for the Alpines. And I saw uh, a uh, interesting video of um, the Alphataris uh, having fun with some Miami Vice style videos on social media. Yeah, let's. Um, Let's talk for a second just about kind of the the Miami-ness of kind of the whole situation, the event, because obviously Miami is a city that is just event-driven. Um, we are not necessarily lauded for our fandom and our loyalty as, as much as Ryan and I take that as personal slights, uh, but Miami is always a city that does events better than anybody else, and an F1 race is an event. Um so it's, it's great to see. Uh, this is one of the races where you get kind of like the most custom helmets that guys bring out. Uh, certainly a whole slew of them. Uh, the merch that's tied to the event is great. I love seeing the, uh, the Miami Dolphins obviously being incorporated since it's a race around the stadium. And uh, the drivers doing you know their combine drills and, and skills challenges. It's great. Uh, I... Yeah. I have picked up on one thing over the weekend, though, and it has to do with the attendance. And the the seating's been looking a little bit sparse, and I can't help but wonder if there's a couple of factors at play. Uh, obviously, you know, spend six hundred dollars for a weekend in this economy uh, is is an ask. But I think everyone has kind of the idea of what happened last year, where sold out in minutes, didn't matter what the price was, it was a packed house, but we didn't necessarily get the most exciting of races. I don't know if people maybe speculated this time around that I'm just going to buy up a bunch of tickets and I'm going to be able to flip them on you know StubHub and, and Ticketmaster and be able to make some money because it sold out so easily last year and people paid whatever they wanted, but we've got empty seats. There's still tickets available for the race tomorrow. Um, I know they added about 3,000 seats to the grandstands this year, so there was more tickets to sell. But I think it's not the greatest look that your you know brand new shiny American race is maybe not drawing the crowds you were hoping for. But on the coverage, they are absolutely bending over backwards. Uh, out there like Sean Spicer saying, nope, it's it's a huge crowd, one of the biggest crowds, and then the camera pans over and it's empty. And then they're quick to throw out 
oh, there was more seats this year. Or, uh, you know, there's a lot of people walking around the paddock. Or, oh, you know, this crowd is really engaged and smart. Um, it, it was just kind of weird for them to draw up this narrative when the pictures clearly show that it's not quite drawing the crowds they were hoping for. No, Steve, you know, we've been joking about this on the on the podcast the past few weeks. It's, I have this woman stalking me to try to buy tickets, and uh, it's one of their ticket sellers. And that did not happen last year, and I've been on this list for two years. And I'm pretty sure it's because they had tickets to sell. And, you know, I looked when I, for, I first got in the queue. I got in the queue last year with you, Steve, like we did last year, and we got sticker shocked to death. And also it sold out. And then this year I got in the queue as well and got sticker shocked as well. Because um, they but, raised the prices. <laughs> yeah, they raised the prices. And, and you know, it, it's expensive. I think a lot of things contribute here. One, the economy is not great. It's expensive down in Miami. Um, the race was not fantastic last year, at least from the perspective of it's an exciting race. Like you see it on other other uh, aspects of the circuits, you know, other other circuits on the, on the, on the courses. Um, and I think maybe Las Vegas might be stealing some of his thunder as the, you know, the big shiny race on the American, uh, docket this year. So I think there's a few things contributing here. Not only that, but also like Red Bull seems to be head and shoulders above everybody else. It seems to be a repeat. You know, we don't, we see this. If the Patriots go to the Super Bowl every year, the only people who want to go see them in the Super Bowl are Patriots fans, you know? So, uh, you don't really feel like everybody else has a shot that weekend. Right. You want to know that you're going to watch something, you know, uh, competitive. I'm, But I'm looking forward to really affordable tickets next year for me and you to go to our third Miami Grand Prix. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for a good race. I know weather was also in the, um, in the offing for this weekend. Yeah, and we'll talk about people's... that. Yeah, people see that coming. They also say, I'm not going to be outside in the race, uh, you know, when it's pouring down rain. or It's already enough to ask to be out there in the heat for that amount of time. Right. So, I mean, it's um, it's unfortunate. I'd love to see this race be a few things. One, obviously, a major event in my home area, our home area, Steve. And it's packed, and it's a huge, lively atmosphere, and a fantastic race. But it doesn't appear like it's going to be that this year. And... Based off of last year, it wasn't a great race either. I do think this year is going to be a better race. I do believe that. And looking at the starting grid, we got yeah. a chance. Starting grid, guys out of place on the grid who have theoretically better cars, some pit strategy in play. It looks to be a little bit looser out there, maybe some accidents, um, shake up some things, give some opportunities. Um, so I, I believe we will get a better Miami race this year just because. Um, but I yeah. I don't know how many people will be there to see it. Right. So we you know, we'll, we'll go into previewing the race now, but I think one thing that ties in what we're talking about, you know, ticket prices and everything, uh, that ties into what may or may not affect the quality of the race tomorrow is a lot of other races on the calendar. You don't just have F one on that weekend. You have other support series, F two, F three, or you know, Porsche Cup. There's other events going on throughout the race weekend. So one, your ticket includes all that. So you're not just watching the F1 sessions. You get to watch the the future drivers uh, in F2, or you get to watch good Porsche Cup racing, or you know, there's more for your. There's better bang for your buck, right? So that that's one. It, it's a steep uh, ticket price 
and you're not getting the racing you'd be getting at other places, let alone the fact that even if you could find an affordable ticket in Miami, they don't get you at the ticket price. They're going to get you at the hotel price. Um, And the other piece of that that ties into it is getting a track prepped for a Grand Prix on Sunday. So we've seen it in the practice sessions, and we saw it today with Charles in qualifying, that there seems to be just one solid racing line on the track. And if you deviate from that at all, you're going to get into some really slip tarmac and you're going to lose control of the car. When you have the support series driving throughout the weekend, also that's just more rubber, excuse me, more rubber getting laid down onto the track. It's going to give you better grip. It's going to give you more racing lines and it's going to give you better overtaking opportunities. Uh, My concern with going into tomorrow before qualifying was that we were going to have kind of a follow the leader. Uh, they shortened the DRS in two out of the three DRS sections. Mm-hmm. So those are going to be harder to uh, complete an overtake. And in some of the uh, faster speed corners, there's only a single line to drive through. So you're not going to be able to have uh, drivers testing different lines to take to you know, set themselves up for an overtake. Um, I was concerned. Now we have a mixed up grid cars out of position. Um, it still might only take three laps for max to get into second place, but you know, he'll have to overtake cars for that to happen. Yeah. And it may not be as easy. So, you know, I, I find it interesting to see how things will shake out. Um, I have some bold predictions based off of that. And uh, we do have the threat of rain. The The old classic afternoon Miami thunderstorm is going to be in play tomorrow. We might have to see some interesting tire uh, strategies. Right. I, ideally, the race starts dry. We get a quick hit of rain. Makes people try to make some decisions. The rain goes out. And then we get a track that is might be in changeable conditions. And then we'll have some people risk like when am i going to get off the wet tire to go on to the slick tire and whoever makes that decision first is going to be you know the the guy sitting pretty so you know you don't want it to to start wet and then eventually dry because you know we've seen that before and that kind of just turns into a follow the leader and they might take forever to turn on drs but we saw in uh russia two years ago when it was a dry race and then the rain comes in quicker than people can necessarily react to it um that's when you get some real fun jeopardy and some real hard uh decision making sorry lando yeah. <laughs> yeah uh very interesting all right so based off of all of what we've laid out let's throw out some predictions steve so sure. um i will go first i guess so i believe I'm taking a, I'm putting my, you know, myself firmly on the limb first here. I believe Max does not finish on the podium. Ooh, okay. I think he does move his way up through the field, but I think with all the variables in play, ninth is a dangerous place. And I believe we will see him outside of the top three. And you know, guys are going to race him hard. Because George opened up the door for that last week. <laughs> I think people just do it for the memes at this point. I, right. I see... 
<laughs> I see, um, you know, Lewis isn't too far behind him. Uh, you know, Nico's going to be behind him. Uh, th- these are guys who can be aggressive and don't have, you know, a, a second thought of like, hey, that looks like an opening. I'm going to go ahead and take it. You know, it's, it's kind of like when you're in the uh, the public's parking lot and you're driving, you know, uh, like a Toyota Tercel and then there's like an S-Class. Like, guy, I, I, I think you're going to have to be the one to back out of this. I'm driving a Tercel. Like, you're going to buy me a new car. Theoretically, he has to get through Carlos and Fernando, two guys who are not going to give him any leeway. So, And you know I... Checo isn't. <laughs> Well, yeah, he goes, and I, you know, whether he races check or not and how the Red Bull decides that is a whole other thing. But um, I I just think that uh, he finishes outside the top three for the first time this season. Fun. That's, well, maybe it's hopeful than it is, I think. But, yeah. Um, my second is I believe Lewis will definitely still get into the points. Okay. I think that's it, provided he survives the first couple of laps in the absolute thick of traffic. Correct. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that's. I think that's a safe point. So I still think Lewis gets points this weekend, and I think there will be two accidents. Okay, so that that is there. There will be two separate incidents of cars either into another car or into the like what will, will these be uh dnfs is that yes. what you're saying okay uh, two and uh, two incidents that will result in a dnf for at least one of the cars involved okay well that that plays into one of my predictions where i said there's going to be uh at least two safety cars so if you have two incidents with DNFs, we'll have two safety cars. Fair enough. So, uh, my second prediction was we would have another new podium finisher in this race. Uh, Carlos is up there in third. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to throw out a name. I didn't throw one out last week. I think I'll. I'll leave it. I mean, Carlos is in a good position. I think George is in a sneaky good position. I feel like he could just have his strategy prioritized. You know, he's starting uh, seven places ahead of Lewis. So he'll have the priority when it comes to pit strategy. Uh, He might even have the better opportunity in changeable conditions to make the first move. So I I think there's a good chance we have someone on the podium for the first time. Plus, you know, people are going to be fighting. Uh, Yeah, I could see it. Okay. Uh, and third, my prediction is that Max wins. <laughs> I, okay. I I don't know. I just have this feeling like it's just one of those races where he's inevitable. He's just going to come through the field. He's ninth, yeah, but he's one from, you know, 18th. He's one from 14th. Um, I think I, I don't want to throw on a conspiracy hat and say that Red Bull might sabotage Sergio's race, but. I don't know. I, I think there's five dollars in it if Sergio has some kind of mysterious mechanical failure that nobody saw. But yeah, I, I think Max still pulls it out. But if he does, fair play to him. Well deserved. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, he'll he'll obviously earn it. You know, sometimes I feel like he does make his way through the field pretty easy, and it feels like, uh, of course, because he's lucky to that extent too. It's a, it's it's one thing to be good; it's another thing to be lucky, and sometimes he's both. In this instance, though, I do believe this is like perfectly setting up for some drama at Red Bull. Checo being out front and having a chance to win this race, Max not having the best qualifying and it impacting the rest of his race, and it's setting up for a little drama for Checo to be in the lead in points, uh, you know, going into um, race six. And I think that starts to look a little bit more pressure on Max going forward. And it goes into one of your long-term discussions for the year, <laughs> which is when do we see our good boy Danny Ricardo back into... Uh, an F1 seat, and right now that pathway is through one of the Red Bulls. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. I mean, maybe the more Sergio wins, the more likely that is. Because I, I almost feel like if Max is mad enough, he's the guy who will retire midseason. Like I, I will take my ball and go home. I feel like he's got that mentality. Because uh, he's like, I, I'm not here to set records. I'm here to race. So I almost feel like if it's not fun or challenging for him anymore like he's out call me crazy mm. um but as far as tomorrow i i can see where you know sergio's in the lead max has maybe made himself up to fourth and you get to a point where the lead driver should get the preferred strategy but i feel like they'd flip it and give max preferred strategy and hang sergio out to dry and yeah i can see fireworks Sounds like a good one. But this is where we'll leave you for now for the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 podcast. I'm again your host, Ryan Vasquez, joined by Stephen McNally. And we will see you after the Miami Grand Prix as we break down what I'm sure will be an absolutely classic race. Knock on wood, not throwing out the jinx. Uh, And we'll see you next time across the line. 